so good to be with you all. Thank you for joining us today. And I don't know, it was, it was just great worship. I hope you really enjoyed that. We enjoyed that here to just be in the presence of the Lord today. And <clears throat> I just want to thank Katie and the team and for their diligence and, and all of the staff. We're all here today. And like it's been said, we miss you guys, but uh, we're glad that you're tuning in. Last week, of course, was Easter Sunday morning, and uh, last week we talked about uh, the meaning of the word resurrection. Literally, the word means to stand up, and when Jesus was raised to life, he stood up, and by implication, he walked out of the grave. He walked out of the graveyard, and so must we. That's what it means to live and to, to live a resurrected life. It means that we stand up in the spirit. We have a stand up in our heart. Even though outwardly we may be forced to sit down, we stand up in faith and we walk out of those places of limitation, of hopelessness, and of death. And we talked about that last week. But what if you find yourself? I've been thinking about this a little bit and I had this kind of this thought drop in my spirit. What if you find yourself in a dark place? What if you find yourself in a difficult place, a hard place in your life, and you don't feel very resurrected? You don't feel very powerful. You don't feel like, you know, that whole idea about standing up. And one of the, the key verses that we had last week was 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, and it's going to come up on the screen here. And uh, it's where Peter is writing, and he says, "'Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ,' who according to his abundant mercy <clears throat> has begotten us again. Say that word, again. He has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And when I was looking at that verse again and going over that in my spirit, I was that the, the word again just kind of kept coming out. He's, he has begotten us again to a living hope. And that word again speaks not only of the obvious rebirthing of our soul that happens when we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We were born again. But I also believe that word again is in the sense of renewal and revival. That, that there's a renewing and a reviving of that resurrection power in every one of us available to all of us. This means that when we temporarily have lost it, have you ever lost it? Or if you've ever blown a fuse, there's revitalizing, resurrecting power available for us today. And this is the reason why I want to talk, I want to bring a word today entitled, When You Need a Reset. And that's the word. We're going to be talking about that. And I want to go back to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 16. And this is just after Jesus had been raised from the dead, after his crucifixion, his burial. Three days later, he's raised from the dead. And here's how Mark describes the events uh, at the end of his gospel in Mark chapter 16, verses 14 through 20. And this is what it reads. He says, later, Jesus appeared to the eleven as they sat at a table, and he rebuked their unbelief. And hardness of heart, because they did not believe those who had seen him after he had risen. Now, let me just stop right there. Mark tells us right before this, the various people who saw Jesus alive, and they all went and told all the disciples, among whom he had appeared to Peter. We don't know exactly when that happened, but he appeared to Peter at some point as well. But still, they're sitting in their unbelief, in their complete discouragement and dismay, and the Bible says Jesus walks into the room fully alive and he rebukes their unbelief. <clears throat> and then he says to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He, he who believes and is baptized will be saved, but he who does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will follow those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, they will speak with new tongues, they will take up serpents. And if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, <clears throat> excuse me, he was taken or received up into heaven, and they sat down at the right hand of God. And they went out 
all the disciples, the church, they went out and preached everywhere the Lord Jesus, uh, and the Lord Jesus was working with them, confirming the word through accompanying signs. And then Mark concludes with amen. So amen to the reading of God's word. And Lord, we do need your word today. And I pray, God, that you would uh, just inspire and, and impart, God, your, your living word in every one of us today. God, give me the grace to be able to bring it today and for every one of us to receive what you want to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, I don't know. Have you ever blown a fuse? Have you ever blown a fuse? I have. In fact, the other day, I was doing some electrical work in my attic, and uh, I was uh, hooking up, uh, well, I wasn't sure if it was a live wire. I thought it was a live wire, and uh, I was doing some work. I was kind of getting uh, new outlets put in my, be- uh, in my bedroom, and uh, rather than taking the time to try to figure out what breaker this live wire was on, I thought, you know, I've done this before without ever doing anything dangerous or killing myself. So I thought, I'm going to strip this wire, and, uh, but I had to cut through the outer shell of it. And so I was very carefully cutting through the outer coating of this wire when all of a the sudden there was a bright flash and a loud pop, and I heard... You know, you, you hear things, but then when you blow a fuse or the power goes out, it's interesting what you don't hear anymore. There was no hum anymore, and I could smell the smoke of burning wire. I looked down, I had a new pair of wire cutters in my hand, and I could see where the wire, that little explosion, melted the cutting apparatus of my wire cutter. And what happened there in that moment is I blew a fuse. That's exactly what happened earlier this week. I blew a fuse. And now, besides the fact that blowing a fuse can be potentially a very dangerous thing, um, whenever a fuse is blown, what happens is the circuit immediately stops. Whatever is on that circuit and whatever is empowered by that circuit just completely stops. If there were lights, the light goes down. The, the, there's no power going to what, was, what, it, what it once was. And so, uh, and the only way you can get that power back is you have to reset the fuse or you have to reset the power and, uh, and, and go back and reset the breaker. So that's what happened to me this last week. But let me ask you again. Have you ever blown a fuse? Have you ever tripped a breaker spiritually speaking. Has that ever happened? Has there ever been a time when things were running well, they were moving forward, a time when the lights were on, when there was excitement and expectation and hope and things were just going really well and then pow, everything just comes to a stop. The lights go out. You're in a place of darkness Sometimes when a crisis hits or when, a tribu- or when we go through a time of tribulation in our life, it can seem like we've blown a fuse. And we can, in, in a sense, spiritually speaking, how, however we handle it, blow a fuse in our lives. And when we do, everything just comes to a stop. The lights go out, discouragement sets in. And where, and where we used to be filled with faith and expectation, we're just now full of doubt. We've blown a spiritual fuse. And this is exactly where the disciples were on the day of Jesus' resurrection. Before Jesus died on the cross, the disciples were with Christ for three and a half years. They were walking with him. They were excited about the kingdom of God. They were excited about the power of God. The lights were on. Everything was working. Everything was running well. And then all of a sudden, Christ is crucified, and they watch him die. He's put in a grave. They, they, watch him, they watch them seal up the tomb. And then three days later, he rises from the dead. But they have so blown a fuse emotionally, mentally, spiritually in their lives because of this crisis that they went through, that even though they heard that he was alive, they didn't believe it. They were completely 
in the dark. Emotionally, mentally, it didn't matter that people say, Jesus is alive, he's here, he's with you, he's for you. Oh, I don't believe it, I don't believe it. And they just sat there in their dismay and in the darkness and in disillusionment, disoriented, because the lights were out. They had blown a fuse, spiritually speaking. And this happened to those early disciples. And Jesus came into that room that day when he walked in. When Christ walked into their presence that day, he walked in there with resurrecting power to reset the blown fuse of their heart. And what Jesus said there and what he did there that day, I think is what we need when we find ourselves in that place where we've just lost all power or we feel like we have. We just, we're in a place of darkness. We're in a place of We feel disoriented. We feel like we don't have the ground beneath us. We We don't know what's going on emotionally and even mentally. We're just kind of out of it. And I I believe that Jesus has something for us here today. So I wanna I wanna talk about this idea of this um being reset in the power, the resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk about how to get reset today. To experience a reset of the power of Jesus, number one, means we need an attitude adjustment. We need an attitude adjustment. Think those words with me. We need an attitude adjustment. You know, some of us right now, that's what we need. We need God to come in and adjust our attitude. Amen. Sometimes we got stinking thinking going on. That's what was going on with the disciples. That day, resurrection morning, when Jesus walked in fully alive, and it says here in verse 14, if you remember, that he rebuked their unbelief and their hardness of heart. And that unbelief and that hardness of heart, that word hardness denotes not just a callousness. They weren't just callous in heart, but they had become indifferent in their heart toward the Lord. And it says here that Jesus came in to rebuke or to bring correction to their state of mind because your attitude really is the way you think about things. It's the way you process the issues of your life, the problems that you go through, the situations that you go through, like going into this COVID-19 kind of uh, situation. I didn't have a great attitude about it. I hated every minute of it. I'm not sure. I don't think probably anybody really liked it. I think there were a few that probably liked the downtime, if you know what I mean. But, um, you know, I don't think anybody really wants to live their life like this in this kind of a crisis, right? And I went into it with a bad attitude. Well, that's what happens sometimes in our lives. We can go into it with a, when things happen, when things, a problem comes in sideways and it doesn't go the way that I had hoped and things don't pan out the way that I believe that they should have or could have, then my attitude goes south. And I'm sitting there in just unbelief, refusing to believe. Callousness and indifference. They were indifferent that day. They were hard in their hearts. And Jesus came in there in that room to deal with them. And you know, I don't know, this is not, I don't want to do an exhaustive study on, you know, why our attitude goes south and why we get a bad attitude. But I can tell you that there are at least a couple of reasons why we can get to that place. And one of them is when we become very disappointed with the way God has handled things. Sometimes we get a bad attitude Because God didn't do it the way that we thought he was going to do it. This is what happened to the disciples. This is exactly what happened to him. You know, Jesus Jesus had been teaching them and training them for this season, for this time, and for the rest of their lives over a three and a half year period. And they believed that Christ had come to establish his kingdom. And do you know that he actually told them that he was going to be crucified? that he was going to die, that he was going to be buried, and on the third day he would rise from the dead. They heard him say that over and over. But you know, you hear what you want to hear. They heard him say it, but they weren't listening to what he said. 
He had prepared them for the hour of trial. He had told them of the time of the tribulation, but they didn't really pay attention to what he said so that when it happened, they were caught by dismay and the, they blew a fuse emotionally, spiritually, in their heart, they blew a fuse and then they sit there disappointed with how God handled this whole situation. And that's a bad attitude. Our attitude, we need, a, we need a reset of our attitude because we sometimes get disappointed with God in the way he has handled things. You know what disappointment is? That Have you ever been disappointed with unanswered prayer? Prayer that hasn't come in the answer, the form that you want? Or how about the disappointment of un, unfulfilled promises? That you believe God dropped a promise in your heart. You believe the Lord gave you a promise like he's done to many other people that are in the Bible. That he gave them a promise and it didn't happen in their time frame. It didn't happen in the way that they thought it was going to happen. Listen, you're not alone in the disappointment. How about the disappointment of unrealized dreams and plans? You had a plan. Anybody here ever had a plan. Don't ever forget, you can make your plans, but God directs your steps. Amen. And sometimes we get a bad attitude because we're disappointed. Here's another reason why we get a bad attitude. There's an overload. There's a short circuit in us. See, this is the most common reason why fuses are blown. An overload of power. We're drawing too much power through one circuit. It's a circuit trying to take on too much power supply or trying to, trying to meet too many demands. And in a way, you, you, you're only built to do so much. And you can only do so much before you're going to blow a fuse. And this is what happened to the disciples. I think they thought that they could handle more than they could. I think they thought that they could do more than they could. But they couldn't handle what happened. There was, a, there was an overload of power. There was an overload of, there, there was too much stress on them and they gave way. They thought they could do it. Remember in the garden, they were praying and they fell asleep and Jesus like, you're gonna go through tribulation. Why can't you stay awake and pray with me so that you won't give in in the time of temptation? They thought they could handle it. And you know, there's a lot of us that we get a bad attitude and we need a reset. We need a power reset in our soul because we're plugging so many things. I'm doing this, I'm doing that. We're plugging in more and more things until boom, someday you blow a fuse and you sit there with your arms crossed and your spirit sour. Jesus walked into that room that day because these guys had an attitude problem and he wanted to bring them back to where he left him <laughs> to that place of trusting in him and believing in him. And the Lord wants to do that for every one of us today. Amen? Amen. To experience a reset means we need an attitude adjustment. The other thing, the second thing that I want to bring up is we need a priority realignment. There needs to come a realignment of our priorities. We need a reset in our priorities. Can I tell you that I think in this time that we're in, I think there's coming a reset of our priorities, not just a reset of our attitude and the way that we process crisis in our life, but a priority realignment. Do you realize that on the night that Jesus was betrayed and the, day, and the evening before Jesus would be crucified and hanged to the death on the cross, that the disciples were in the upper room with Jesus, having had their feet freshly washed by Christ himself, were sitting among themselves at that table, arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God when Jesus sets up his kingdom. This was their mindset. This is what their life had become. This is what they were starting to think about themselves and about all that Jesus, Jesus had poured into them. He had demonstrated 
to them for three years the priority of God's love for lost humanity, for his compassion over human brokenness, and the need to save sinners to, be a, to, have a, to make a difference in the earth. And all they're thinking about is, which one of us is going to have more power? Which one of us is going to be greater than the other? Who's the one that's going to be really in charge? Their priorities got mixed up. And this was just hours before Christ's crucifixion. And he had demonstrated to them the kingdom of God. He had demonstrated to them the priority, the thing that God values most, is serving and giving yourself for others by washing their feet. But they were, they were so out of it. And you know, sometimes we can be fully saved. We can know the word of God, but sometimes we get our priorities all mixed up. And it becomes more about what we want, what we think, than about what God desires. Are you with me out there? Can I get a good amen out there? Amen. Jesus said, here's here's what the Lord said. Here's the priority of God for every one of us. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Jesus said the key to the ways of God, to the kingdom of God, to the will of God, is to prioritize his will and his ways. Amen. And when we misplace the priorities, and it can be so easily done, so subtly done, sometimes we will blow a fuse because we get our priorities out of order. Like me, yes, or not yesterday, four or five days ago, when I was working on my electric, you know what was more important to me? You know what my priority was? Expediency over safety. And I blew a fuse. I've done it before. I can do it again. Well, someday you're going to blow a fuse. Safety before expediency, not the other way around. Maybe I've learned my lesson. We'll see. <laughs> what does Jesus value? Listen, whatever the Lord values, he prioritizes. When Jesus stood with his disciples that day in the upper room, and this was the context of what Jesus had been preparing for them. Here's what the Lord prioritizes. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know what the priority of God for every one of us is? Is to go into the world with a proactive faith, with a purpose to, to do the will of God in the earth, to occupy in the earth till Jesus comes again. It isn't about me setting up my kingdom. It's about me being a part of God's kingdom. And that's what he's saying. This is my priority, that you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Make sure that your life is lived on purpose for the will of God, for the kingdom of God. In whatever you do, wherever you move, whatever occupation you take, all of these things, it's all about the will of God and the kingdom of God, bringing glory to him right there where you are. That's the priority of the Lord. It's not about me fitting God into my life. It's about me fitting my life into God's kingdom. Amen. You know, the Lord has given us all things richly to enjoy, and I think we can take our vacations, and we can build our houses, and we can serve in this job and go to this job and have that uh, occupation we can we can do we we have so much latitude and grace by god given to us but everything we do is to go forward with purpose proactive faith occupying in the earth that's the priority of god and then he goes on and he says here's another one he says preach the gospel to every creature let me just remind everybody Every single person on planet earth needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Preach the gospel. Every one of us are to be preachers of the gospel. Every one of us are to bring the gospel message to a world where there is nothing but bad news. The priority of God, what he values most, is that we carry his message to to a world that doesn't know it. Amen. And here's what he said, and he who believes is, and is baptized will be saved, and he who does not believe 
does not believe will be condemned. Here's another value, the winning of souls. The winning of souls. The Lord Jesus values this. This should be a priority in our life. We need to get back to this purpose that there are people. There's only two kinds of people walking on planet earth. Let me just tell you this. Only two kinds of people. Those who are Christian and those who are not Christian. Those who know the Lord and those who don't know the Lord. And he said, guys, here's your priority. You need a priority reset. You were thinking, oh, it's all about me and it's all about my achievements and it's all about my power and it's all about my position. No, it's not. It's about hurting, lost, broken lives that unless they believe, they will be condemned. Everyone must come to a living faith in Jesus Christ to possess eternal life. And that's his priority, and that's got to be our priority. Jesus said, I didn't come except to seek and to save that which was lost. You remember that scripture where Jesus says, these things you see me do, you shall do, and greater than these, because I go to my Father, and we always kind of fuss, and you know, we talk about, well, what does that mean, the greater works of Jesus, and the works, and the signs, and the wonders of Jesus, and raising the dead, and healing the sick, yeah, I believe it, in, it includes that, but it also includes saving the lost, winning lost people to the Lord. That was a work that Jesus did everywhere he went. He was bringing people to the Father heart of God. And that's something that we need to be doing. That's our priority. We need a reset of that. Sometimes we make life all about us and about our achievements and about our goals. And it's, that's not the heart of God. Amen. We need to be expanding the kingdom of God. That's the priority of God. See, what God values, he prioritizes so what's a value to God must be a priority to me. And I believe the Lord wants to do a fresh work in the body of Christ today to kind of get us back on track to what this whole thing is really all about. And it's about bringing life where death is. Amen. And it's about bringing victory. And I love what Katie had to say. I do believe that God is prophetically pronouncing victory. And I I love the way she took that and claimed it over our city. And this is why we're here, to bring the victory, the resurrection power of Jesus alive. Get back to it. It's not about just me. It's not about just me. It's about what brings glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. We need a reset in the sense of an attitude adjustment, a priority realignment. Here's a third way we need to be reset in spiritual empowerment. We need a reset in spiritual empowerment. <clears throat> Jesus said, look with me here. These are some of the most controversial parts of the great commission of Jesus Christ. I love it. I think it's fire. But here's what Jesus said. He said, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. That doesn't mean we're serpent handlers. That means we have authority and power over the serpent, which is a, which is a picture of demonic power. They shall take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, there will be, that will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. Jesus is saying to his disciples, guys, you're, you, I'm getting you back on track. I'm adjusting your attitude. I'm realigning your priorities, and I need you to know that you are going to be filled with power to do what I've called you to do. And I want you to depend on that power and walk in that power. Listen, he said, these signs, the powerful signs of the Spirit of God will follow you. You don't follow them. They follow you. Amen. They follow you. These signs following are signs of spiritual power. That God, that if we're out there working God's priorities, 
doing what God values, if we make God's priorities our priorities, he, he validates what's going on through our lives with signs and wonders. That's what he's saying right here. And so these are spiritual, these signs are spiritual power. And, and Jesus said, whoever believes and receives me will be endued with power. And I love the kind of power he talks about, power over demonic realm, power over the darkness. He said, you shall take up serpents. In other words, take it up, your hand, your hand is symbol, spiritually speaking, in the Bible, of your power, the power that has been entrusted to you. With your own, the power of God upon your life, you shall have power over all the power of the enemy. Remember that story in where Paul was uh, stoking a fire on a little island and a snake attached itself to his hand? And the Bible said he took the snake and he shook it off in the fire, which I believe was just a picture of... of the, the powers of hell trying to come against Paul to take his life. And we know that it was a poisonous snake because the people were sitting there watching, waiting for him to die. And when they saw he didn't die, they wanted to worship him as a god. But what that whole story shows us is that as we're out doing the will of God and fulfilling the purpose of God, Satan will strike you. He will come against you. But you know what you need to do? Shake it off. Just shake it off. Take authority over demonic powers. Live in the power of Jesus. And we need sometimes we get to feeling like we have no power, like we have nothing to give. We have nothing, you know, that we need to go to other people for prayer. We need so-and-so. Listen, you know, you, we can't, we're not all things to all people. But you're who you are by the power of God to someone. And you can be there for them. You don't need me. You don't need Daniel. You don't need Billy Graham. Well, Billy Graham's in heaven now you couldn't you couldn't get a hold of him if you tried but you just need you need the power that's what jesus is saying and these signs will follow people who are empowered amen the power of god is a birthright to every child of god this is why jesus told the disciples he said in mark chapter 24 verse 49 he says Stay in Jerusalem, remain in Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. You guys cannot do this without power. You're going to need power. And I need power. Have you ever felt like the power of God has just gone out of you? Has that ever happened to you? Like, remember that story where Jesus is walking through a town and there's a woman who has an issue of blood? that she's had for 12 years and she could never find relief of it and she, she spent all of her time and all of her money trying to get healing through doctors, through other physicians and no one could heal her. And so now she was in poverty. She was still sick. Her body was still dysfunction. But she heard that Jesus was coming through the town. And the Bible said that when she heard that, she thought to herself, if I could just to even touch the hem of his garment, I know that I will be made whole. And he was coming through town. And she pressed through in her unclean state because that's what the culture of the time would have relegated. You're unclean. You can't be in public. She secretly pressed through the crowd, touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says power immediately went out of Jesus and into her. And he stopped. And he said, who touched me? And, of course, there was a crowd of people pressing Jesus and reaching out to him. But there was one that was reaching out in faith. And the the disciples said, what do you mean who touched you? Everybody's touching you. What are you, not with it? He said, no. He said, I felt power go out of me. And, of course, we know that she was healed because of the power of God. Now, the point I bring that up, because a number of years ago, I was reading that verse of Scripture, and I felt that from a different point of view. When Jesus said, I felt power go out of me. I've been in places and times in my life, I'm not sure if it's accurate or true, but I would say, I felt power go out of me. Where you're giving and giving and giving and serving and people are reaching or people are wanting and you just feel like the power is just going out of you the power is going out of you and that you got nothing more to give like the power went out you know that you understand what i mean by that that 
Have you ever felt power go out of you? Like there was nothing there anymore. You gave what you, all that you had to give. And I think when we, we get to places like that, we need to understand that we need that power. I think what the disciples experienced in that upper room that day was that powerlessness. They had operated in the power of God before. They had cast out devils before. They had laid their hands on the sick and they recovered before. They had done this before. But I think in that upper room, there was a sense of powerlessness, like the power had gone out, which is why John says in John chapter 20, verse 21, I think it's in that, that's the scripture reference where when Jesus walked into the room, he, it says here that he spoke to them and he said, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sorry, that's not the right verse of Scripture, so let me give you a quotation of it. That's a good one, but that's not it. He breathed on them. He breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. He he just breathed a refreshing, a resetting of spiritual power in them. Amen. And that's what we need today. How to experience a powerful, a spirit reset. Well, just like... Just like the disciples, we need to abide in Jesus every day. Jesus said, if any of you wants spiritual power, come to me and drink every day. Abide in Jesus' power. Abide in his presence every day. If you want the resource of the Spirit of God to flow in your life, just be with Jesus every day. Abide in the vine every day. And never forget, you are are just a channel of God's power, you're not the answer to everyone's problems. You're just a channel. When that lady touched the hem of Christ's garment, there was a flow of divine power upon Jesus. He was fully, the Bible says, anointed of the Spirit without measure. There was power enough for her and multiplied thousands of people all at once there was enough but she reached out and that divine flow of god's power channeled through christ into her now we're not jesus but we are channels of the grace and the power of jesus all around us amen and we need to know that so i'm just saying to you right now that sometimes we we just need a reset like i had to go downstairs after i tried to strip that wire fully alive, and I blew a fuse. I had to go down and reset the power. The power was available, but it needed to be reset. It needed to be triggered again. It needed to be put back in motion again. And that's what needs to happen for every one of us. And then the final thought that I want to share with you guys about a reset. We need a reset in our radical commitment. Areas where we need to be reset in our attitude, in our priorities, in our spirit, of that sense of being empowered, and also in our commitment. And our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ needs to become radical. I know that word can be offensive because you have the radical right, the radical left, But I think if anybody deserves radical, the Lord Jesus Christ does. A radical commitment and devotion to Jesus. We need this to be reset in us now more than ever. These disciples, at the time that Christ walked into the room, these disciples were still very young. Many scholars believe in their late teens, possibly early 20s, because that was the culture of disciples following a rabbi at the time so they're very young they have their whole life ahead of them but at the time that jesus walked into the room they thought it was all over jesus died their hopes their dreams their desires died with jesus and he's laid in the grave and they they didn't realize it but for them life and eternity had just begun it wasn't over three and a half years walking with jesus personally was great but jesus said something greater is coming Something better than what you've had now. He said, in another place, he said, it is absolutely necessary that I go away. 
Because until I go away, the Spirit of God cannot come and dwell in you. The power of God, the presence of God. The Spirit is with you now because He's with me. And He's with you. And that by, by proxy. But, but there's a time coming when, when, when I leave, it'll, it will really be good for you. And they couldn't believe that. They just couldn't believe that. And they, they had a hard time holding on to that. They didn't realize that, man, there are better days ahead. Great things are going to happen. Something is going to shift. Things are going to be different than what they have been. And I think, just thinking about this, I don't want to make a big deal out of this again, but I wonder, I wonder for every one of us what life after coronavirus is going to look like. I think when we go into things like this, we go into it and we feel like we've lost something. But we don't know that this kind of crisis, that the Lord is working in this kind of crisis, and that we think we've lost something, we've lost ground, we've lost momentum. But you know, God has a way of doing things or bringing us through crisis, bringing us through situation. Remember, always remember that not everything is good, but God is working all things together for good. We've got to always remember that. How are we going to come out of this? There's a shifting going on. There's a shaking going on. There's, a, there's something happening right now. And I think what God is doing is everything that isn't of Him is going to crumble to the ground. All of their preconceived ideas about what the kingdom of God was, I'm talking about the disciples, before Jesus' death, just crumbled to the ground. It just came to absolutely nothing. They totally didn't get it fully. I mean, they just, they just didn't get it. But the Lord was saying, guys, we've only just begun. Things are going to look different. When we come back from this thing, I think things are going to look different. I personally hope that we can shake hands someday. I don't mind hugging. I'm... I want, thing, I want certain things to come back, but things may change. Things may look a little different. It may take a little while. There's a shifting and there's a shaking going on. But now is not the time to abandon ship. Now is not the time to pull back. Now is not the time, oh, I don't need church, so to speak, or I don't need this. I, I can just, we can just make it on our own. Now it's the time for radical commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. I think we need to go with the cleansing of the bride. You know, he's, there's a cleansing going on right now. There's a shaking. There's a shifting going on. Because God has something greater in mind. And we need to, with what he's doing, step into that and be radical in our devotion and our commitment, get back on track. I think maybe there's some that drifted away and they went off and started doing their own thing in their own way. And I'm not just talking about not showing up to church. I'm just talking about in general. Just, just, just kind of moving out in our own way. Losing our commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ and the will of God and the kingdom of God. And we need to get that back. And you know, you can be radically committed to, committed to the Lord. Why? Let me just give you two quick reasons in closing. I, I am closing. We can be radically committed to Jesus when we know that Jesus is for us. Verse 19 says, So then, after the Lord had spoken to them, he was received up into heaven, and he sat down at the right hand of God. I love that. He went up, and he sat down. And you know what that means? He went up to his position of preeminence and authority. He sat down because he completed all the work, and he ever lives to make intercession for the saints. You have Jesus with you. You have Jesus behind you. You have Jesus for you. Hallelujah. You can be radically devoted to the Lord because you know that He has power over all. Jesus is in charge. He is in charge. He superintends our best days and our worst days. He doesn't necessarily cause, He doesn't cause evil to happen, but He superintends it. 
He rules over it. He is still on the throne. He is for you. And I, and I was reading just the other day in Romans chapter 8, again, where Paul said, what can separate us from the love of God? And he goes on and he reads off a litany of things that cannot separate us. And the two things that I love the most, nor things present, nor things future. What we're presently going through cannot separate us from him. And let me tell you, there may never be another coronavirus, but there's going to be another virus of some kind. And nothing can separate us. Christ is for us. Hallelujah. Isn't that good news? We can be radically devoted to him because we know Jesus is for us and because he is with us. Look at verse 20. And they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them. Man, I love those words. They went out, and they just did. They lived with purpose, with a sense of occupation. We're occupying in the earth till Christ comes. They, they went out with purpose and devotion and committed to the kingdom of God and the will of God. And Jesus was with them every step of the way, just working as they went out. They preached, and they ministered, and they did the will of God. And Jesus was there every step of the way, confirming every activity and movement by his own presence in their lives. And I just want you to know that Jesus is with you. He's with you. You can be radically devoted to Christ because he is there. He's watching over you. He's praying for you. He's interceding for you. And he's with you. I love this statement. I don't know where I found it, but I, it's not original to me. It's a quotation. It says, Jesus went up, the Spirit came down, and the church went out. And that's the truth. Christ went up. The Spirit came down and the church went out. And you know what? We don't go out alone. Jesus said, I will be with you till the end. I will be right there with you. And the Hebrew writer said that the Lord is with us. He's my helper. He is with me. He will never leave me. He will never forsake me. So what can man do to me? What can a virus do to me? What can problems do to me? Listen, everybody, everybody blows a fuse once in a while when things don't happen the way that we think. But I believe the power of God is here right now this morning to reset. Maybe it's an attitude thing that's going on. We're carrying disgruntled spirit around, a disappointing heart around. Maybe, maybe our priorities have been out of alignment. Maybe there's this, we, we feel like our power, the power of God has just gone out of us, that we have nothing more to give. Or maybe we've been lax in our commitment. But I believe the Lord wants to touch us today. And I know this may seem a little different to you, but as you're watching this right now, if any of these ideas or these words speak to the issue of what you're feeling right now, I think we just should not only just hear the Word of God, but we need to respond to it. We need to respond to the word of God. And so right where you're sitting, maybe you want to close your eyes. Maybe even just lift your hands. Just right there, just in a, a posture of receiving that resetting, resurrecting power of Jesus Christ. Just right now, Father, I, I just want to pray for you. Father, I just lift up every one of us, not only in this room, but all over where we're watching this, either live or maybe the recording a little bit later. Father, you know what's going on in every one of our hearts. You know where we have blown a fuse, God. You know where we have tripped a breaker, spiritually speaking, Lord. And it doesn't seem like there's that, that life, that hope, that passion. We've lost it, God. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that you would touch us with your power again, Lord, that you would reconnect us, Lord, if it, you know, to, to, to say it one way, God, that you would reset the, the breaker in our heart, God, that you would bring us back to that place of empowered living. Lord, I pray that you would transform our way of thinking, our attitude about where we're at right now in our life, that our attitude would shift right now in the name of Jesus. It may, our problem may not go away, but Lord, let there just be a shift in the way that we think and that we have the mind of Christ 
and that we, th- that, that we don't mope around God and, and, are, and be sh- consequently short with other people around us and frustrated and, and having these thoughts, disgruntled thoughts. We just pray, God, for transformed thinking right now. Hallelujah. Lord, in this time of celebrating your resurrection, in this time of isolation that we're going through, Lord, we need a transformation. We need a transformation. Lord, we need to get our priorities. Jesus, help us to seek first your kingdom. Let this be a time, Lord, where we get back to the priorities, the things of your heart. We just mentioned a few, God. The others are the priority of our family and the priority of our marriage and the priority of sound uh, financial dealings, Lord, and the priority of loving our neighbor and the priority of praying, God. Help us get back to those things that are important to your heart, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just revive us with spiritual, supernatural power, God, so that we can be a conduit, a channel of your grace and power right now in the world in which we live. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. Just say that to the Lord, like in a fresh way. Uh, just say, Lord, I, I, I want make to make a radical commitment to you. I'm putting my hand to the plow, and I'm not going to look back. I'm not going to look back. I am not going to look back. I'm tired of looking back. I'm tired of missing it, losing my way, getting off track by looking back. Lord, I just make a radical commitment to you, fresh and new. Thank you, Lord, for touching us. We love your presence, Lord. We love your word. Thank you for being with us today. In Jesus' name, amen.